morning, everyone. It's truly an honor and a privilege to be here at Crossroads Community Church. I praise and thank the Lord for being here. I praise and thank the Lord for Pastor Mike extending an invitation for me to come and to share from the most precious book I know, which is, guess what? The Word of God, the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. Amen. Thank you so much for your prayers and your financial support over the many, many years. Uh, I thank the Lord for my wife, Esther. Could you wave your hand, Esther? And praise and thank the Lord, as Pastor Mike said, we're, we're uh, 53 years into the ministry and still going strong. Even though the Lord called uh, my father-in-law, Reverend Floyd, home back in April of 2020, we we're still going strong. And I just wanted to say the ministry van has not retired. We were still driving around the city of Philadelphia with the casket on top and the dummy <laughs> sticking above the, ca the, the casket. Uh, I joke around and tell people there's two dummies in the van, so one in the casket and one driving the van. And I know I, I you don't agree, but I'm, I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> Amen. You know, one, one of my favorite uh, preacher teachers um, on television and radio, Adrian Rogers. Anybody heard, ever heard of Adrian Rogers? Okay. He once said this. He said, quote, the modern church has many sins. Now, some of you may be looking saying, the church sins? Oh, absolutely. If you stick with me, I, I, I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Uh, one of the sins, one of them is the sin of worldliness, meaning we're so much like the world when our God has called us to be different, to be separate. We hear much about the separation of church and state. Isn't that true? But Agent Roger says, I believe it's time that we heard more, more about the separation of church and the world. Another sin of the modern church is the sin of faithlessness, simply meaning simply failing to believe her Lord. The Bible says in Romans 14:23, for whatsoever is faith for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. But in my estimation, ranking high in the sins of the modern church. Is a sin that many of us would little dream of as a sin. Inquiring minds would like to know, I'm sure. Well, you don't have to worry. I'm going to tell you what that sin is. That is the sin of silence. You may say, what do you mean? Shh. What he meant, he was saying, failing to witness the saving grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This broken, bleeding, bound world is ours, and may God forgive us for the sin of silence, meaning failing to, win, failing to win men, women, boys, and girls to the Lord Jesus Christ. Bringing people to Jesus Christ is the principal duty of every Christian. Let me say it again. The principal duty of every Christian is to what? Bring people to Jesus Christ. It just doesn't fall on the shoulders of Pastor Mike Pastor Dave, uh, Brother William, and I can go on and on. It's, it's, it's everybody's responsibility. Everybody included, nobody excluded. Those of us who name the name of Christ, it is, amen, it is our job to bring people to Jesus Christ. But if we're practicing the, the sin of silence, we're not making a difference, are we? Agent Rogers continues on and says this, if you're not endeavoring to bring, to bring men to Jesus Christ, men, women, boys, and girls to Jesus Christ, you are living in shared disobedience. Yeah. 
to your holy call. Wow. One of the witnessing tools I came across from Billy Graham. Anybody ever heard the name of Billy Graham? One of the greatest evangelists of our time. He, he, um, he, he uh, years ago he had a, um, uh, 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 I think it was a publication. It was called My Hope with Billy Graham, uh, 2014. There was something that he said in there that, that really stuck to my mind, and that's what I would like to speak on today. He, he mentioned it, it says, quote, there is no greater or more urgent task than sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with the world around us. The local church is called to have an impact in our communities, in our nation, and, and also in our world, end quote. Do you realize that lives matter to God? Yes, they do. I came across a statistic from Barna Research years ago that said this, that approximately 5,419 people die every hour. Not every year, every hour. That means somebody that I know, somebody you know, somebody that we may know personally, they may be dying at this moment. And that begs for us to consider that life is precious, is it not? When we're out there on the street corners in the city of Philadelphia, we tell people, you are, on, you are one breath away from either an eternity in heaven or one in hell. The choice is up to you. People need to understand that there's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. But if we keep our mouths quiet, what impact are we making? in our neighborhoods, kids, where, we, where you go to school, where we work, and the, and the list goes on and on. So for a moment, I'd like to speak on the thought, soul winning, every believer's urgent work. Soul winning, every believer's urgent work. Let us pray briefly. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to gather in your name with these Saints of Light, Precious Faith, the Crossroads Community Church, I pray that you would bless us even now. May the words of my mouth and may the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, in Jesus' precious name. Let the church say amen. 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 As you're turning to Matthew chapter 9, I'm going to be reading from a very familiar passage. Um, Jesus had observed those who had, Jesus had observed the multitudes that had gathered around them because of what I call his teaching, preaching, and healing ministry. For example, in Matthew chapter 9, it talked about how Jesus healed a man who had palsy. Jesus healed Jairus' daughter. He was the ruler of the synagogues who had an issue of blood for 12 years. Jesus restored sight to a blind man. And the list goes on and on. But as Jesus observed the multitudes of those who gathered around them, and I believe in Matthew 9, it talked about the fact that when Jesus did these things, his fame went, went abroad. In other words, everybody knew about what Jesus did. But there were three interesting characteristics about those who had gathered around them as a result of the miracles that he did. He, he, he realized that they were helpless, that they were, that they were hopeless, and they were hurting. Does it sound like somebody in your neighborhood or somebody that you knew who falls in that characteristic 
under those three characteristics, someone who's helpless, someone who's hopeless, and someone who's hurting. And then after Jesus had observed that, had observed the fact that there were people to reach, he noticed that the harvest, in other words, the world was great, it was vast, but the, neighbor, but the laborers were what? Few. I wish I could say that the laborers were many, but the laborers were few. Uh, a, a co-worker, I mean, a co-laborer in the ministry with me years ago, he once said, um, hey, Danny, do you know why the, the laborers are few? I said, no, tell me. He said, because they're sitting in the pew. <laughs> so I, I was like, okay, thank you so much, my brother, for, for uh, uh, making me aware of that. But in short, we need to consider the fact that soul winning is everyone's responsibility. It's my responsibility, it's your responsibility, it's all of our responsibilities. Can we say amen about that? Amen. amen. So, very quickly, if you decide, if you believe as I do, that soul winning is the urgent work of every believer, the first thing that you have to consider is you have to possess a compassion for souls. You have to possess a compassion for souls. Join me in uh, Matthew chapter 9, beginning in, in verse 35. Matthew 9, beginning in verse 35. It says, And Jesus went about all the city, cities and villages, teaching, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was what? Moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad, as sheep having no shepherd. So in short, Jesus had observed the multitudes who gathered around them, and he looked at the marching multitudes, if you will, if you will, on the way to hell, and Jesus wept tears over them. Let me ask you a question. When you know those in your families, where you go to school, where you work, in your neighborhood, who may not know Christ, does that move you to any and does that move you to any, any extent? And if not, why not? If we say Jesus Christ is the answer, then why are we so quiet? You see, being a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, engaging in the work of evangelism isn't for smells. You, say, you may say, what's a smell? A smoke is not a stuffed animal. It's a Sunday morning only person. Now, I know we don't have no, nobody in here un, un, under that, under that uh, name. The work of evangelism is not for secret servers, undercover, undercover or closet Christians. The Bible says, let the redeemer of the Lord what? Say so. How many of you have been redeemed by the, by the Lord? Have you been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ? Then guess what? We ought to be loud and proud about it. We're not about to say, shh. If people can, can, can be out here in society and, and, and have these big parades and, and talk about the Sixers and the Flyers and the Phillies and the Eagles, you know, it's a Philly thing and all that. They can be loud and proud about that. Why can't we be loud and proud about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? No wonder the hymn writer says, people need the Lord people need the Lord, when will we realize that what? That people 
need the Lord. Do you believe that people need the Lord? Do you believe that people need the Lord right here in Upper Darby? Do you believe that people need the Lord where you live? Where you work? Where you go to school, children? Amen? Amen. So we have to tell somebody of Jesus and his love. You know, the way to possess capacity for souls is to obey Jesus' call to win souls. Now, let me stop there and say this. When I say win souls, I don't mean that you go out and you save folk. It's not your responsibility. You don't have any power to save folk. However, you have power to plant the seed, right? The seeds of the gospel. The Bible says, I believe it's in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 3, some plant, the, the Apostle Paul says, some plant, some water, but who brings forth the increase? God does it. The harvest is God's, but we must take an active part in reaching the loss at any cost with the, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm reminded of something um, 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 Charles Spurgeon once said years ago. He said this. He said, quote, Winners of souls must be, must be first weepers of souls. Winners of souls must be first weepers of souls. Don't raise your hand, but when was the last time you wept over someone who may have died? And because of the fact that you failed to mention the gospel of Jesus Christ, you, 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 you actually wept over, over that person. The hymn writer says, Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin in the, gra in the grave. Weep over the erring one. Lift up the falling. Tell them of Jesus, the mighty, to save. You know, I'm reminded of uh, D.L. Moody. Any, anyone ever heard of D.L. Moody here? I'm sure you have. He once said this. He, he once uh, testified um, in, the, in the publication, but, but it simply said this in, in, in the publication. <coughs> Excuse me. As the great evangelist D.L. Moody walked down the Chicago street one day, he saw a man leaning against a lamppost. The evangelist gently put his hand on the man's shoulder and asked him if he was a Christian. The fellow raised his fist and angrily ex exclaimed, Mind your business! Whereas the kids would say, M-Y-O-B, right? <laughs> and then Moody replied, I'm sorry if I, if I offended you, but to be very frank, that is my business. <laughs> so in short, even if people reject the gospel, they're not rejecting you, they're just rejecting the gospel. We still must love them. Even though we may not agree or we may not support the LGBT and other, and other groups, we are still to show them the love of Christ. We are called to open their eyes to turn them from darkness to light. Amen? Notice in verse 36 it says that that the multitudes who were gathered around the Lord Jesus, around the Lord Jesus Christ, they were faint, meaning that they were growing weary under the load of, the, of their sins and the unrealistic expectations forced upon them by their religious leaders. And for in short, these were people who were wandering, wandering through life aimlessly. 
How many of you understand that before we came to faith of Christ, we were the ones that were wandering through life aimlessly? Okay, well maybe if you, if you didn't want to, do, want to do life aimlessly, I did. That was, that was, that was uh, my situation before I came to Christ. I was in this world without Christ, without, without hope, on, the way, on my way to Christ's eternity. But thank the Lord that, i, I never forget that years ago, um, which was, well, when I was eight years old, that was just a couple of years ago. I remember sitting all the way in the back and watching the film called The Burning Hell. Anybody remember the film, The, the, film the Burning Hell? Well, it, it's okay. And as I was sitting uh, watching the film on a Sunday night and all the lights were off, I was, you know, I was kind of um, shaking and I was, I, I was like, oh man, I can't wait till the light comes back on. I'm going to go up front and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Because I knew that that was the place that I didn't want to go. And the fact of the matter is, everyone, if we possess the compassion for souls, we, we're not going to want anybody to go to hell. Isn't that true? We want all of our loved ones to, want, to do what? To go to heaven one day. But the fact of the matter is, we need to have the compassion. You may say, well, well, well Brother Danny, I'm not a people person. Don't worry about being a people person. Consider being a soul winner. Say, Lord, lay some lost soul on my heart today. The Bible reminds us in uh, Isaiah 53, verse 6. Yes, Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. I'm reminded in uh, Romans 5, 8. In Romans 5, 8, it says, But God commanded or he demonstrated his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In uh, 2 Peter 3, 9, 2 Peter 3, 9, Peter says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he is what? Long-suffering to us, Lord. Why? Because he's not willing that any should perish. What I'm saying is this. While you still have breath in your body, while you're still alive, the good news is, you can tell somebody about what Jesus did for them. You can tell them today. You can get on Snapchat, uh, TikTok, and I'm going to send Venmo like a, 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 a bastard day, he said. Email, snail, snail mail, whatever. And you can tell somebody about the fact that Jesus Christ loved them so much that he died on the cross for their sins. We, we sang a couple, a couple of songs this morning about the crucifixion, about the, about the um, uh, uh, burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? Isn't that good news? Amen. Isn't the gospel good news? Amen. What's the good news? That Jesus Christ died for our sins. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, where Paul said, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. So in short, not only do you need to possess a compassion for souls, but secondly, as I hasten, you need to recognize that there's a problem and address it. You need to recognize that there's a problem and address it. Join me in verse 37 of Matthew 9. 
the verse says, then, then saith he unto his disciples, Jesus said unto his disciples, the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are what? Few. So you may say, what did Jesus say mean when he said the harvest? In short, he's saying that the world, not the world itself, but the people in the world, those that we once again live with and work with and go to school with young people, those are the people that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. But we must be willing to tell them. Amen? Once again. Jesus told his disciples in uh, John chapter 4 verse 35, in John 4 35, he says, Do not say there are still four months and then comes harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Notice here, as Jesus looked at the multitudes, once again, the people who gathered around him because of his teaching, preaching, and healing ministry, he now said that, that they were not only pit, uh, plentiful, but they were also pitiful. It's just like people living in our world today. Isn't that true? In short, Jesus saw men, women, boys, and girls who could be saved by his grace. Isn't that wonderful to know that if Jesus saved you and saved me, guess what? He can save anybody. Regardless of where they live, their, their, their economic status, it doesn't matter. Their educational status, it doesn't matter. All lives matter to God. And they should matter to us. For example, when, when um, you know, thank the Lord that you're, you're going to be having a treasure island, I, I believe, uh, coming up soon. It's a blessing that Crossroads Community Church, you feel the call upon the Lord to go out here and reach these uh, young people, for example, with the gospel of Jesus Christ through Treasure Island. Praise the Lord. Guess what you're doing? You're planting the seed. You're planting the seed of the gospel so that, so that they can come out and they can take part of the festivity but also be exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you are to be applauded for that. Well, why don't you give yourself a round of applause for, for, for uh, getting involved with that. Amen. You know, Tony Evans said in his book, America's Only Hope, years ago, he said this. He said, it seems like the church today has become very comfortable huddled up within the four walls of the church. And as a result, our light never goes beyond these four walls. True ministry is getting out there where the action is and touching lives. I'm afraid many Christians get high, get high on the huddle, and while we're high on the huddle, Satan is out there scoring touchdowns, end quote. So what I'm saying is this. We need to recognize that there's a problem. When we see what's going on in our world, when we acknowledge the fact that we live in a world that doesn't want to have anything to do with God. I mean, think about it. When they took prayer out of schools, when they took Bible reading out of schools, although I wasn't alive when, when those things um, were, were going on, but I was told that as, at one point, in time, there was a time where Bible reading was done in school and prayer was in school. But look at what's happening today. 
There is no Bible reading unless you go to a Christian school. There's no prayer unless you go to a Christian school. And look at what is happening in our world today. You have young people killing, stealing, and doing so many horrible crimes. Once again, people need the Lord. So that's why I'm saying that soul winning is every believer's urgent work. Lastly, not only do you need to recognize, not, not only do you need to possess a compassion for souls, not only do you need to recognize that there's a problem, a problem, a problem and address it, and then lastly, you need to pray for more workers. Pray. Can we say pray? Pray. pray. Notice in uh, Matthew chapter 9 verse 38 as I close. After Jesus presents the problem, he gives a solution. He says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Now you may say, why did Jesus tell his disciples to pray for more workers in the harvest? Well, how many of you understand that prayer is a powerful weapon. Yes, it is. For example, when, when you think of Billy Graham, right? I don't know whether any of you knew this, but years ago, when Billy Graham was alive, when he did these crusades all around the world, he would have prayer teams to pray in advance, not so much for the uh, success of the, of the crusade, but he would have them to pray for souls. His, his desire was that people would see their need for the Savior, that they, that, that they would repent, meaning that they would say that they're sorry for their sins and that they would turn to the Savior and accept his free gift of salvation. So prayer is powerful. But let me also add this. Did you know that even though the Lord told his disciples to pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, there are times when the Lord may use you to answer that prayer as well. He may use me. He may use all of us. But the thing is, we must be willing to make ourselves available to reap those who are in the harvest field. So really, it boils down to three things. Uh, let, me, let me read a, a little uh, excerpt as I close. Let me read a little excerpt Oh, here it is. From uh, David Jeremiah. Anybody ever heard of David Jeremiah? Okay. All right. Um, in this um, Turning Points uh, devotional magazine, I'm not trying to promote them. I'm reading a little excerpt from there. This is what he said where he had um, uh, Jesus' view of the world. He said in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, Jesus told the apostles to make disciples in all eth ethne, e uh, that means, uh, it's about E-T-H-N-E, or ethnic groups, not nations as defined by modern political boundaries. Then he says, uh, this, this distinction is, is what prompted missiologists to begin identifying the unreached, not as nations, but as unreached people groups. Then he says, one week's worth of news headlines tells you that the majority of the world still needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
In Matthew 24, 14, Jesus says that when the gospel has been preached in all the world, then the end will come. But, but this is the point that I'm getting at right here. Those words suggest just how serious Jesus was and is about the world he came to save. In a sense, we are not waiting for him to return, but guess what? He is waiting for us to fulfill our mission. How many times have you said, you know, Maranatha or even so come Lord Jesus? And times go by and he still has to come and you're wondering if the Lord heard you. The Lord heard you loud and clear. But the issue is this. He's waiting for us to fulfill our mission. He's waiting for us to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the unreached people groups. Now, praise today the Lord for Crossroads Community Church for the impact both locally and globally in reaching unreached people groups. But even though you cannot, you know, many of you cannot travel abroad, but you can be a witness right here. Oh, yes, you can. You may say, well, I get nervous when I, when I witness. You know, my, I, you know, my face gets sweaty, my palms get sweaty, I start stuttering and all that. Okay, that's all right. Anybody ever heard of a gospel track before? <laughs> Guess what? A gospel track is a silent witness. It doesn't say anything verbally, so to speak, but when the person reads it, it's powerful, is it? Do you know that many people have been saved from, a gospel, from the reading of a gospel track? You can do that. For example, when you go out to dinner, when you give a tip, please be generous when you give a tip as well. But in other words, you can give, give a gospel track while you're eating dinner or lunch or breakfast. You know, when you pay your bills, you can put a track in there. Now, they're not going to reduce your debt because you put a track in there. <laughs> but you can be a witness by putting a track in there, right? And the list goes on and on. So really what I'm saying is, when it comes to understanding that soul winning is every believer's urgent work, it really boils down to three questions. C.T. Studd, he said this one time. It really boils down to three questions. If not you, then who? If not here, then where? And if not now, then when? Only one life will soon be passed. Only what you do for Christ, that's what's going to last. That's what's going to matter, everybody. You see, we're just pilgrims passing through. We don't know how much longer we have down there. But we are called to occupy until the Lord returns. So may the Lord find us faithful and obedient, sharing the glorious gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because I don't know about you, but when I say before the Lord one day, I want to hear the words, well done. Anybody want to hear the words, well done, like in the faithful term one day? Then guess what? We have work to do, do we not? So please, let's get busy when the souls to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.